0: You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. This is podcast episode number 277, getting that round booty, which works better, trendy hip thrusts or squats, comparing protein bars, do they help with weight loss or not? overcoming the obstacle of self-sabotage by changing your negative thoughts to a supportive inner dialogue. just a couple of quick things to tell you about before we start this episode. The first is that I'm really proud of the people who are doing the 28-day makeover. We're getting some good results so far and we're almost done, I think, with the first round of people doing it. So anyways, if you haven't checked in with me, then please do because it's always exciting to see the progress. And also, if you've gotten an email from me with a deep discount for that makeover program. You might want to jump on that because that's going to expire this week. And for those of you that maybe didn't get it, you can still shoot me an email here at fitgirlpodcast.com and I can send it to you because basically instead of 199 it's actually $39.99, which is pretty huge. And I want to make sure as many people can get that as possible. The second thing I want to tell you about is that um, I'm also going to be switching over to a different platform. And I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've I always wanted to have a community of uh, basically our like minded fitness friends. And we kind of had that when we had the forum going, and that was way, 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 way back in like, I don't know, 2011, 13. Or something like that before, like the big Kira crash happened. So um, that was really a lot of fun being able to communicate with everybody and answer questions, and everybody supporting each other. And that's basically what I want to have for our community: is one that we have you know, different aspects that we can add to somebody's program, as far as similar situations or having gone through different things or having different medical situations. Even um, there's obviously not everything that I've been through that I can help everyone with. So have- Having that community where you can ask other people and get maybe a collective opinion, too, and having that added support and encouragement and accountability because sometimes we just don't get that with the people that are around us or maybe they don't understand our, our desires to improve ourselves or to change or whatever the case may be. So this community is kind of going to be wrapped around some of the different courses that I've been developing that are in addition to the weight training and the nutrition. But the huge part, as you know now, is that mindset is what makes or breaks any weight loss or fitness goal. So there's a lot of things that I've been working on to help make a progression for anyone who wants to improve their mindset because pretty much it's an ongoing thing. You know, you don't just do your mindset one day and then you're set. I mean, your mindset kind of is with you all the time and different things affect it. And sometimes you fall off the wagon and need to have different focuses. And so I'm creating what's called journeys. And these are things where you learn different parts about yourself. Think of it as like self-development or self-help or, you know, whatever. But these are all little reminders and little exercises on paper that we can do to help us reinforce the mindset so that we don't ever get into that low motivation kind of downward spiral that tends to happen sometimes when things go wrong. So that's what's coming up. So you may have gotten an email from me. Um, If you did, and you're interested in participating to help me test this whole community thing, then all you have to do is email me back and say yes or no. Um, If you didn't get the email, then you might not be on the list for emails, you know, the email list whatever they call it. Anyways, um, so sign up at the fitgirlpodcast.com site or any one of my other sites and that way you can be part of that. So I'm hoping to get it started testing soon and then, you know, launch it big time. Um, I'm just really excited to be able to have everybody kind of in one spot and, and helping each other. And there's a lot more to it, but I'll save that for next podcast. And one more quick thing, I haven't updated the Strong and Powerful podcast, even though I have that mapped out for like the next two years. But anyways, let me know if on the Fit Girl guide, you would rather have chest training and nutrition and maybe just a little couple sentences on motivation, or if you still like the current format where I cover all three, because the Strong and Powerful is probably going to be a little more detailed as far as some of the motivation things that we cover here. But anyways, just let me know. So speaking of motivation, let's dive into that one first. We've been talking about the different limiting beliefs or different things that cause us to self-sabotage and create obstacles when we're trying to get in shape or lose weight and trying to define them. Um, I think we call it identify them and then thinking about challenging them, basically trying to find out are these beliefs that we have really true or not. And then the next step is changing them and basically writing new beliefs. And there were a a couple of different um, worksheets that I put up on the website for you that help you go through some little thought exercises to write down some of these things and to write down challenging them because just keeping it in our head is not gonna be quite as powerful as actually the written hand. So using those worksheets are definitely gonna help you a lot. So the common limiting beliefs that um, stop us from getting in shape we talked about where I don't have time to work out, um, it's too hard to do, I'm not disciplined enough. And then the ones that are more personal, like I'm not good enough for this, or I'm too old for this, or um, I don't have enough money for that, uh, that can kind of cover a lot of other different topics so as we talked through how to challenge these things to realize that you know what it's not completely true you can find five or ten minutes a day to do something it doesn't have to be a hardcore workout but just to do something to exercise your body get some movement in you you don't not have willpower i said that wrong but you you do have willpower because um, this is an analogy I use with a lot of people when they say, I'm not disciplined enough to work out, or I don't have the willpower. And I, I ask them, you know, do you brush your teeth? And usually they respond, yes. And I'm like, well, do you do it once a day, once a week? You know, how often? And they say, well, usually, t- usually twice, maybe three times. A day, but at least twice a day. And I say, well, you're disciplined. You're disciplined to brush your teeth. And why do you brush your teeth? Well, I don't want them to fall out or I don't want them to get, you know, dirty. I don't want to have problems or whatever the case may be. And it's like, you know what? That's the same thing with your body. All right. If you're disciplined enough to brush your teeth twice a day, then you're disciplined enough to exercise three times a week, maybe four times a week. I mean, that's not very much compared to twice a day. So the discipline is there, it's just the motivation isn't. And the motivation in the case of brushing your teeth is kind of fear. It's fear that something's going to go wrong, or maybe it's a little vanity because you want them to look nice, but that's the same thing with your body. You want it to look nice, you don't want things to go wrong with it, yet there's very little you need to do compared to brushing your teeth every day, twice a day. So putting it in perspective, you can tell yourself, yeah, I do have discipline, I just didn't really equate it that way. And sometimes it's like, that's a good example. I always find that people kind of wake up and realize, oh yeah, there's a lot of things I do. And you know what, it comes down to habits and you brush your teeth every morning, every night, probably before bed. It's a habit. So just like exercise could be get up and stretch something or do a couple of squats, anything that is a habit or right after you get off work, go for a long walk or when you pick up the kids, take them outside. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do, but you have to find what works for you. If you're going to try to force somebody else's method on you, it's not going to work. So that's why here we're trying to give you different ideas, different concepts, different ways to fit it into your life and make it a habit. Because as we know, habits can be good and they can be bad. They can be very destructive. So Bringing it to the forefront, kind of like what we're doing right now with these beliefs and these thoughts in our head, is the way to help change them. Now that you've taken those common thoughts or beliefs and proved them to be wrong or not valid, you've challenged them, now is the time to change them. So there's a new worksheet I'm putting up on the website. And this is going to help you change those thoughts. And excuse me, I keep getting a little frog in my throat, so I'm kind of raspy today. Um, anyways, the first thing is the cause. Now, what caused you to have this thought? Because there's usually some triggering event, like I missed my workout or um, I was late to class and I couldn't go do the, the program or whatever. Or I went to a luncheon thinking there would be at least something healthy I could eat and the only decent thing was a tuna salad and even that wasn't so good. So these are things that you might think that have just totally wrecked your plan. So in the worksheet you're going to write down these are the causes that you then turned into that downward spiral of okay I had the tuna salad instead of chicken and rice. Um, and Then you turn into Oh my gosh, I'm never gonna change. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna get in shape, I'm never gonna lose weight, it's never gonna happen. And you just start beating yourself up over one little mistake or one little miss of a workout or whatever. So, in reality, you're gonna tell yourself, wait a minute, let me challenge this. Okay, am I never gonna get in shape because I screwed up on one meal or because I made what at the luncheon was the best choice I could? I mean, that there's a whole episode we did on better, bad choices because a lot of times they'll, you have a slew of bad choices and you have to pick one and one's going to be a little better than the other. You know, it's kind of damage control, but there's sometimes things you cannot control and you should make the best of it. So going with our changing of the thought, we go from our cause, we go to the downward spiral phrase that is used, and then we have to make it a reality. So when we put something in reality, we make it positive, constructive, thought to replace that negative self talk can't be I will do this or I used to do that it has to be here now right at this moment I do this so in this case we'll go back to the I missed my workout so we go I missed my workout I'm never going to change my body and then we're going to change that to you know I didn't plan my day right and I can fix that I can change my body by planning planning better all day So that is what you're going to repeat when you miss a workout. And these phrases are good to have either on your phone in your notes section or maybe a little book, you know, one of those little really teeny ones you can fit somewhere close by to write down because we tend to go over the same thoughts again and again. And that's why they're so destructive because they get embedded into the subconscious, which doesn't know that they're not true. It doesn't always stop and say, wait a minute, you just didn't plan. You know, so what? You missed the workout. Plan better for the next time and everything will be fine. It doesn't mean you're going to never change your body. It doesn't work that way. We work that way. So we have to be the ones to change it and to write it and to say it and repeat it as many times as we have that negative phrase. So think about that. As many times as you've said to yourself, I'm never going to change my body. Have you equally said the same amount of times i can plan better i can do this i can i can change my body i just have to make some better plans probably not you know we tend to not to focus on those supportive statements and that's the whole point is we have to wipe out the negative ones with the supportive ones and when i was talking earlier about the community and the the journeys of basically self development that's what it's about because We have already been inundated so much with the negative self-talk and we all have our own little key phrases and those are going to be hard to remove because they've been there a long time. So by doing little self-development journeys or basically thinking about different things that we do each day and having it evolve so that it's a different focus point, you're not just beating down the same information, then your subconscious can start to let go of that stuff. It's basically just getting a whole lot of more positive um, influence and and maybe just positive thought processing into your brain. And the more you do that, and I hate to say it's like brainwashing, but it kind of is, because you need to replace The negative thoughts. You know brainwashing can be for good and it can be for obviously bad and we're going to use it to support ourselves and of course that's really good. So let's go over a couple more examples and then go download that worksheet um, so that you can really start sorting through these things. Now, another one of the things that was on our list of examples was that I'm too old. I'm too old to get in shape. And it's really funny when I sometimes hear that from people who are like 30 years old. And it's like, please give me a break. So there's never too old. There's never too old to do something or to get in shape or to lose weight or whatever. There might be different priorities. A lot of my older clients always kind of go back into that same, oh, I need to lose this five pounds. And it's like, no, you don't. If you get sick. You need that five pounds. It's kind of a safety net um, because if they lose too much weight, they're going to lose muscle and that's going to, well, sometimes at their age, kill them. So the important thing is don't focus on things that might not be the biggest priority at the time. So instead of thinking that I'm too old to lose weight, well, don't think that. Think, I'm old enough to get stronger. Because all the studies show that no matter how old you are, you can get stronger if you do regular resistance training and you do a progression where you basically are working towards that strength. Now, as you get older, it takes a little longer to recover. That's why those 20-year-olds can be in the gym every day doing biceps, but, you know, the 50-year-olds really can't. We need more time to recuperate. And also, like anything else, if you really want your best results, you got to nail your nutrition down. Because your nutrition is what supports your body recovering. So if you're not eating right, you're not going to recover well enough no matter what age you are. And and again, you know, what do they say? The That youth is wasted on the young? Um, because they do all the things wrong and they still get results just because they're young and they're still growing. All right? As we get older, we get wiser and we should know this. We don't always, but we should. So anyways, going back to the I'm too old to get in shape. Well, that would be something that would cause you to have this, I'm never going to get in shape. So change the reality of it and say, I can change my body no matter what age I am. I can work out and get stronger. Maybe even say, my focus now is strength, not weight loss. Of course, we really don't want to put the negative aspect in there. We want to keep everything positive. So you would just kind of maybe put that in parentheses and inside your head. Just focus, though, on my goal right now is strength and consistency. I mean, there's a lot of different words you can throw in there, but all of these are phrases to repeat to help support you. And when you're supporting yourself and you're getting these deep rooted in your subconscious mind, then all of a sudden it's, it's easy to do things because your subconscious mind is telling you, hey, you like to work out. Hey, your goal is strength. And that pushes you to do what you're supposed to do. And then I'm going to go over one more and this is one that I don't think people really recognize, but they actually do hold too much of this belief, the I am not good enough. And that goes over all aspects of life. And sometimes it is so deep rooted, it's not the easiest thing to change. But again, awareness being half the battle, if we can become aware of it, we can start to kind of work through it. So the I'm not good enough um, could be Your self-talk started as, oh, you know what? I I missed the workout today. I didn't eat right. I'm just, I'm not good enough to to deserve getting in shape or deserve looking good. Um, There's a whole slew of things. And I think you've maybe even heard other people say it and not even realize that maybe you've said it yourself, but some of these things just sound insane. I mean, they really do. And that's why you have to challenge them because, and write it down, because sometimes when you take a look back at these things, you're like, holy cow, that makes no sense at all. Why do I, why do I think that about myself? And you don't really know, or maybe you don't want to know, doesn't matter. Change it. Change it for the positive. And changing that one for the positive would be, yes, you know, I am worthy of being in shape. I am worthy of taking care of myself. I am worthy of being healthy. And focus so much, not on the weight loss or changing of your body or whatever, but focus on some of the steps, which are getting healthy, being consistent eating nutritious foods to help your body work better, and getting exercise or movement. Exercise doesn't have to be going into the gym and doing machines or doing free weights. Exercise is just movement. So even if you go and play ball with the kids or you go for a walk with the dog, I mean, it's not your, you know, perfect optimal workout, but it's movement and it's what your body needs. So I think sometimes we have too high of an expectation for ourselves and we would never do that for somebody else or, or for a child or for our children. So give yourself a break. Sometimes you really have to stop and give yourself a break. And I've always taught that, you know what, what you say to yourself, if you wouldn't say that to a child, then don't be saying it to yourself, okay, because it's that destructive. Um, and there's a lot of things we say to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else. And that's where we've got to start changing it. And this is exactly what you're going to do with this particular worksheet and this exercise. So just to kind of give that a quick review, when you do your new statement, your new self-talk, you use the positive present tense. So that is, I am blah, blah, blah. I am blah, blah, blah. It's not, I will be, or I might be, or maybe someday I will be. No, it's, I am right now. And it's going to feel uncomfortable because your, your subconscious, your mind is going to say, no, you're not. But it doesn't matter, okay? You are, and it's in you, and you're changing yourself, and it'll all work out as long as you're consistent. Then go ahead and take some action steps. Write down maybe two things that you can do that support this I am statement. So I am consistent with my workouts. Okay, your action steps. I plan my workouts for Monday, Wednesday, Friday, okay? Then my second action step is... I do the workouts Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So basically you write it down. You make an appointment for yourself for that workout. And then you have an alternate plan. If for some reason I cannot make my workout, then I do this. Not I will do this. It's I do this. So that eventually your mind realizes that, okay, I missed the workout. I do this. And it And it just does. And I mean it's really amazing how we can program ourselves that way. So the more you focus on it, the more you do it, easier it's going to get. And then things fall into place. But unfortunately with life, uh, there's always something that we want to (laughs) improve. So that's why I created the Journeys, because I think that we always need to be working on something anyway. And uh, the other thing I have found, so for you people that are, older, uh, that our body always gives us something to work on. So even if you are in shape or whatever you consider to be in shape, there's going to be something that you're going to want to change or alter or strengthen or maybe stretch or maybe there's some ache or pain or or something else that comes up. Um, And I've definitely noticed that certain things that used to kill me 20 years ago don't bother me, but then there's other things. And The majority of them, well, pretty much all of them, boil down to some sort of muscle issue, some sort of overcompensation, some sort of injury, some sort of repetitive motion that just finally is kind of getting too tight and is causing pain and needs to be addressed. So uh, I've had a lot of people recently, uh, clients tell me that they went to the doctor to get some sort of diagnosis for a pain that's over here or over there. And it had to do with their knees. And in judging how they move and where they're talking about their pains, I could easily tell that it was um, a tight muscle in the hips and lower back. But even though they're saying, no, no, it's my knee, I'm like, well, it's it's coming from here. So we started working on those things. And yeah, lo and behold, um, their knees started getting better. And they're like, wow, I really thought it was my knee, and the doctors all said knee, and they tried to give me pills, but I didn't want to take them. And um, it's really surprising to me how many of my clients have been in that situation where doctors just, they don't know. They don't know that it's muscle. They don't know how to figure out that it's muscle. And maybe it's just because as trainers, we automatically first think it's your muscle rather than here, take a pill. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, maybe it's just Florida. I don't know. There's a lot of pain pushing, pain pill pushing doctors down here. Um, but anyways, some pains do need pills and some do need surgery, but there's other ones that don't. And it's unfortunate that we can't have some sort of relationship with doctors where we can explore all those different avenues um, before we jump into to pills and surgery. But anyways, um, that's a different subject, but just kind of throwing it out there that, you know, sometimes you have a pain in one spot and it's really coming from somewhere else. And that's just kind of the evolution of our bodies and our brains and the reason why I'm saying that is because it has to do with this too in the sense that some people say you know what I hurt too much I ache too much I'm never going to get in shape and so that's where we need to change it and just say you know what I can always improve Yes, you know I'm saving the big booty debate to the end. So now we're going to talk about the uh, protein bars. And I was researching protein bars. I mean, there's a lot of ones that I'm familiar with, but uh, they're not necessarily mainstream. So I tried to look up some different things and different charts of, you know, the best five protein bars or the best 20 protein bars or whatever, and get an idea of what most people are looking for in a protein bar, and I guess usually there are things that can be bought um, in a regular health food store or even in the grocery store, which is not usually the, the places where I'm buying them. But again, we're talking about most other people, and I came across a list, and I think there was like 20 of them or so, and they had different categories, like the the best tasting one, the best one for vegans, the best um, one for chocolate lovers, and just you know kind of went through all these 50 million categories of protein bars. So I took the ones that were kind of towards the top and figured I'd take a look at them kind of the way I would normally look at them, which is look at the wrapper, look at the um, calories, the percentage of fat, how much percentage of carbs to protein, um, what's it, what are the ingredients, where is the protein actually coming from? And, and the interesting thing is how they call these protein bars, but they're really not. They're, um, I don't know what you would even call them. They're kind of combination bars or snack bars. I mean, they're certainly higher in protein than some bars, but I certainly would not consider them at all a high protein bar. So I have about four of them. That I'm going to go over, I mean, I'm serious when I say there was like a list of 20 of them and I have some more saved for future podcasts, but, you know, there's only so many in one time. Um, But there's also a couple of things I learned uh, that I didn't know, and I'm going to share those with you too. Now, the interesting thing on this list was that they also mentioned certain things that they felt were bad and should be avoided, and yet there's certain components of any type of protein bar or meal replacement bar that is going to be in there in some way, shape, or form so I don't always agree with some of the things that they think that they shouldn't have but I did make a list of it Of course, so the first ones I chose to go through were the ones that were claimed to be the best tasting The one that was best for weight loss one that was best for women and one that was the favorite organic protein bar so starting with the best tasting they said the Nutrisystem Double Chocolate Caramel Bars. Now, I always look at the size of the bar because sometimes these they're really, really small, and you think, you know what, that's barely even a snack. I mean, you'd have to have like five of them just to have a snack. Um, and so this one was kind of on the medium size being 50 grams. So I guess it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard to say what that is. But anyways, the calories, 180 calories, that's kind of average. Um, then, of course, they have the fat and the carbs and all that. Now, I usually like to make sure a protein bar has not more than twice as many carbs as protein. So for example, if you had 10 grams of protein in that bar, you would not want to have more than 20 grams of carbs. Now this particular one does have 10 grams of protein, but it's got 28 grams of carbs. So to me, that would be more like maybe a meal replacement. I would not call that a high protein bar at all. Now it does have sugar and it has fiber. And some of the things that they said should be avoided are the high fructose corn syrup and the palm oils. Uh, They also didn't really favor the sugar alcohols, which are in every single product in some way, shape or form. There's a few of them that That didn't have them. But, anyways, they're not also not a bad thing. It's just that if you have too much of them, you're going to have some digestion problems. Um, Anyways, hopefully you don't overdose on a whole box of protein bars, but you never know. And as I'm looking at my chart here, I realized that just saying some of these things aren't really going to make a lot of sense. So, I definitely will post this on the website, blog, whatever it's called, fitgirlpodcast.com, um, so that you can kind of look at the comparisons yourself. But uh, did this one have saturated fats? Yes. Did it have trans fats? No. So apparently that makes it more healthy than other things. But in all honesty, I haven't really looked at the back of a bag of chips or Snickers in a long time to see if they have trans fats or not. Because again, sometimes these, these labels don't really tell you what you need to know. Now, the other thing is palm oil was one of the things that they recommended against In having a bar, like that would be something that would make it unhealthy. And yeah, this one had a lot of it. So I was kind of surprised at that. And it definitely had a lot of synthetic ingredients. And the protein type was soy whey blend, which tends to be the lesser quality of protein. Um, And soy can have some issues for certain people of bloating or uh, water retention. But of course, in this amount, probably not going to happen. But again, not real thrilled with the fact that it's a soy whey blend which seems to be pretty common in a lot of these more mainstream type bars so I'm guessing it might be a cheaper ingredient in general and hopefully I saved the website link so I can put it on the blog site because it did also have how much per bar each one cost like if you bought a box of them so that you had that price comparison too which I didn't really care about so I didn't write it down sorry so that was our best tasting category winner lower in protein than most, and higher in palm oil and synthetic ingredients. So there you go. The next one is the, let's see, the weight loss category. So this would be the best one for weight loss. And I don't, I've never even seen these, but apparently Weight Watchers has a snickerdoodle baked. All right. So one bar is 21 grams. Now, Compared to the one that we just did that was 50 grams, can you imagine how small this is? All right, so uh, 50 grams is going to be maybe about an ounce and a half. I mean, this one's not even an ounce. An ounce is 28 grams. So this is like a really, really insanely small bar. I don't see how you would be able to eat just one. It is 90 calories. That too tells you it's half the calories of the other one. So it's going to be small. Um, And they all have... Well, no, I shouldn't say that because there's one I see here that's got 12 grams of fat. But anyways, this one's got four. Um, The other one had six. This one is very low in carb, only seven, but then again, it's barely even two bites. Uh, It's also got seven grams of protein. So in relationship, that's actually very, very good. You've got seven grams of protein, And you wouldn't want more than 14 grams, but you've only got 7 grams of carbs. So I guess that ratio is very good. Um, Your sugars are definitely lower, and so is your sodium. But it's also that soy and whey blend of protein. And for their sugars, they're using corn syrup. So it depends on how you feel on that, because I feel that's still part of that... Uh, high fructose corn syrup category, um, and the Nutrisystem bar that we I was just talking about before had the polydextrose, which again, it's just they're all sugars, so it just depends on how much of them there are. But this one does have very little. Does it have that palm oil? Yes. Does it have a lot of synthetic ingredients? Yes. And it's still that soy and whey protein blend. Now I don't know if you could eat just one. Um, Seeing that they're they're so small and really not of a whole lot of substance, I guess the redeeming quality is that the higher protein would certainly help you if you ended up eating several of these. I mean, I think you'd have to have like four of them for a snack, but um, I'm not sure about that. So that would be for weight loss. And if you've ever had one of these bars that I'm talking about, um, send me an email or post something, a uh, comment or something, because I'm really curious to know. uh, You never really can tell if these things even taste good or not. I mean, their numbers might look good, but that really doesn't mean much. Now, the next one is a bar I've never heard of. It's the one that was voted by whoever these people are as being the best for women. Okay, so this one's 45 grams. So that's about the same as that Nutrisystem bar. And I think I referenced that because I think most people have at least seen the size of a Nutrisystem bar. um, Pretty standard. So that has the same calories as that one. Uh, It does have a lot more fat. It's got 12 grams of fat as opposed to the four and six, Uh, definitely low in carbs and has almost equal amount of protein. So 12 grams of protein, 13 grams of carb, you know, that makes it look pretty good on paper. Uh, The thing that they tout is that these IQ bars, oh, did I say what it was? I can't remember. IQ bar, peanut butter chip. Anyways, the IQ bars are also gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, kosher, and non-GMO. So that is another plus. They do not have any sort of polydextrose or high fructose corn syrup. They don't have any sugar alcohols. Um, Neither did the other two. Uh, Yeah, they got a little bit of saturated fat. They don't have any of the palm oil. They don't have any of the synthetic ingredients. They actually had ingredients I could read, okay? And yeah, I can sometimes say the tongue twisters, but not most of them on that one. Uh, That was basically pea protein is the main source of protein, flax, uh, flax seeds, which obviously would be where the fats come in. Now, they claim to have MCT oil and the omega-3 sources, which, is, which would be the flaxseed oil, um, and coconut oil. But um, it was kind of hard to tell how much of that was in there. It also touts having lion's mane, coconut butter and vitamin E, lion's made I'd never heard of, and I looked it up later. Um, Let's see. Well, I'll tell you that at the end. That's the category of one of the things I'd never heard of or never knew before, something new. So again, if those are in a quantity to actually do anything, I don't know. So that actually wasn't too bad as the best for women, and probably because it's not a soy-based type protein. So I can see where that would be helpful. So the last one I'm going to go over today is the Orgain organic chocolate chip cookie dough. Now I've seen the Orgain products in Costco and I've actually had them and some of them are pretty good. I'm just not really sure I like that gritty uh, taste of the plant protein. Um, I can kind of go either way with whey protein or plant protein. It's not like a big deal. Uh, I know some people are strictly vegan or organic or both. So you know that's definitely where that would fall into place. And this one is 40 grams, so it's a little bit smaller than the average bar. And compared to that one before, the, the the peanut butter IQ bar, it is lower in fat. Pretty much all the bars had about four to six grams of fat except for that IQ peanut butter bar. And again, if you've ever heard of that, seen it or had one, please let me know, send me an email or something, because I'm really curious on these things. It's just surprising where they come up with some of these. Uh, so anyways, on the organ Organic Chocolate Chip Cookie Dough, we go back to protein about 10 grams and carbs 19. So that double ratio is not so bad. The calories, 150. And the interesting thing I found here was that as far as the sugars go, it had six grams of sugar, so that kind of puts it in the middle range, um, and it had six grams of added sugars and three grams of, like this one I'm going to butcher, erythritol. so it's some sort of um, sugar-type alcohol, and that was something I hadn't heard of. I looked it up. I found some conflicting information. So we'll see. Um, One thing I've noticed with all of these bars is that they're pretty low in sodium, like 120 to 140 grams, except for that Nutrisystem bar, which has 230 grams of sodium. So it's got twice as much sodium and twice as much sugar as the other ones. Now, interestingly, the Orgain didn't have the corn syrup or anything, but it had isomalto. Oh gosh, I forgot how to say it. Isomalto something saccharide. Anyways, that sounds kind of like sugar to me, but I could be wrong. So it also had that, here we go again, ethyritol. I know I should probably learn how to say this before I actually, you know, do this in the podcast, but whatever. Okay. Let me try that again. Maybe it is ethyritol, ethyritol. Yeah. Somebody tell me, please. Anyways, it's sugar alcohol and they also had a vegetable or vegan glycerin, which is also sugar alcohol. Um, And here's the best part of this one. It has organic chocolate liquor. So I'm not really sure what the liquor content is, but certainly that sounds like it would be flavorful. Now, it uh, definitely didn't have any palm oil or trans fats, and it didn't have any synthetic ingredients that I would think of, but I don't know if the isomalto blah, blah, blah um, is considered synthetic. I I know that the glycerin is a sweetener, and it's also a carb, and it's also... A sugar, alcohol, so technically it doesn't stay in your body, but again, that's a whole nother category. Uh, the protein here was, again, not soy, yay. It was brown rice protein, which I'd never heard of, pea protein, and organic everything else. So I think from a health standpoint, the last two are probably the healthier choices. So that probably means that from the taste standpoint, the first two are probably good choices, but I've never had any of these, so I have no idea. So I know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but if you've had any one of those, please share with us. Now, some of the things I learned that the things that I, well, I just learned the things I can't say, but um, anyways, that ethritol, how's that sound, does not raise blood sugar levels. And so they say it's good for people with diabetes. And it also occurs naturally in foods like grapes and mushrooms and pears and watermelon. And it looks like a white crystal as far as that final product goes. Um, so in essence, it's really just another sugar substitute. Now there's certainly also some different takes on it, whether it's healthy, not healthy, whatever, but it falls into that category of sugar alcohol. And if you've ever had things with um, the, the sorbitol or uh, malatol or xylitol, whatever, um, if, you, if you overindulge on those things, you're going to be in the bathroom for a long time because it is going to cause you to have diarrhea. And I remember one of my clients doing this. She bought something that was a bag of sugar-free something or other, and it had one of these sugar alcohols in them. And she didn't know, and she had to cancel the next day. And she told me what she ate, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I was like, you were on the bathroom all night, weren't you? Yes, I was, and she didn't know. So please be aware that sugar alcohols can have that effect on you. So if you're going to overeat something or binge on something, you're probably better off with real food rather than a sugar-free version because, well, number one, the sugar-free version is going to taste terrible. And it's likely to have a lot of these sugar alcohols, which even if it doesn't send you off with diarrhea, it's going to cause some cramps and some gas and some bloating. And it's just not, not really worth it. But when you hear this, you might want to skip them all together, at least the eth- Um It says that it's created when a type of yeast ferments glucose from corn or wheat starch. Now, that does not sound like something I would really want to eat. But then again, there's a lot of things that we do eat that I wouldn't want to eat. So anyhow, going back to that lion's mane, I've never heard of it before. Uh, Research said that it's good to protect against dementia and mild symptoms of anxiety and depression and help repair nerve damage interesting. And it also has a very uh, strong anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, all that good immune system stuff. So then I kept reading and it said, can lion's mane make you hallucinate? And I'm thinking, why was that question asked? And I realized that really it comes from a mushroom or it is a mushroom. So I don't know why everybody always associates poor mushrooms with, you know, psychedelics. But anyways, it's not a psychedelic and won't make you hallucinate. Um, They they, they say, therefore, it's safe to take during your work day as they won't impair your cognitive abilities, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, Anyways, there are certain dosages that need to be taken. And again, I've not researched this enough to really say, I'm just going to tell you what I read, uh, that the lion's mane can be taken up to three times a day. But recommended not to overdo that. And daily doses of 250 milligrams to 750 have been shown to be effective. But I don't know what they're gauging that on. And dosages and cofactors all have a big role in how a particular uh, vitamin or herb or whatever functions in your body. So definitely need to do a little more research in that. But that lion's mane is something I've not heard of. And I've actually worked at you know, my friend's nutrition store for like a bazillion years. Um, and well, not in the last five bazillion years. So maybe it's out there now and I didn't know. But uh, anyways, it's always interesting when you find something that you never heard of before. All right, that was a quick roundup of those bars. And I'll post all of that onto the site. So you can just kind of do it a once over and see. And maybe those aren't even ones that interest you. They really don't interest me. So I'm going to do another one on the bars that I usually eat and that I think are the better nutrition source. And rest assured that in the future, I will not be going into as much detail in the protein bars because I know sometimes speaking numbers like that just really makes no sense. And it really took a long time. All right, now we've come to the booty section of the podcast. And the reason why I brought this up is because I'm seeing everybody in the freaking world doing these hip thrusts different ways, you know, with the barbell across the uh, hips, with the leg curl machine, just, I mean, just ridiculous different formats. And I, the way I see people doing it, there's no way it's going to be effective. And so I said, you know what, let me do some research on this because, I mean, just because I know something inherently is not going to be what other people think it is, doesn't mean that it is. Well, usually it does. But anyways, it doesn't mean that there might not be some validity to the trend. And I really don't think that there is. I think it's just one of those trendy things that, people think is going to build their butt. And I'm definitely sure that the influencers on Instagram and all that are doing a lot of the hip thrust because they can basically have the camera up their ass and everybody's looking at it. And that's the kind of pictures that people like to look at for some strange reason, instead of, you know, the real athletes who are doing hard work. I mean, not that these people don't do hard work. I'm just saying that sometimes there's opportunities that take take things out of perspective and kind of overexpose a certain exercise and make it look good because of the way they look and not necessarily that they got looking that way because they did this particular exercise. Does that make any sense? Hopefully. Now, I know I'm the first one to say that you can have a study that disproves everything and a study that proves everything. So this is just but one study that I found, but I found it pretty strong as far as the argument between the hip thrusts. And squats. Now I know squats are not very glamorous. um, And we're talking about the back squats, the ones that with the barbell on your back. But I think we all kind of know or maybe should know that that is going to be the biggest metabolism booster of almost any exercise, you know, holding a weight on your back, going into a deep squat and coming back up, you're using every single muscle in your body. And then you think of the hip thrust while your hips are going up and down. Well, if they're not going up and down the right way and you're not emphasizing the right muscles, then you're not going to get anything out of it. And to be honest with you, most people that I see doing it are not getting it high enough to do anything for their glutes um, and could also be doing some damage. I mean, some of these things put too much pressure on certain female parts that are not meant to have that, and we may not see the effects of it right now. But it's going to be like a lot of things, the wear and tear over time if people keep doing it. But I'm sure there'll be some other trendy exercise that comes along in the meantime and and takes that one over. But let's look at the study, and then I'll tell you what they found. And you might be kind of getting a hint. Before I get into the whole study, though, let me just say that we know what squats are. They're a multi-joint exercise, and hip thrusts are a single joint exercise exercise. Um, And like I said, even in their range of motion, if you're doing it perfectly, that single joint exercise is going to have real small range of motion and maybe not work as many muscles. Now let's get to the study. There was actually a study, it was done in Brazil, and it had 22 what they called well-trained women. So people that know what they're doing, I guess, as far as how to execute these particular exercises. And they had half of them do regular back squats or squats, and the other half did the hip thrust. And it was interesting, the program that they had them do, it was a 12-week program, and it wasn't just the same stuff over and over. They basically had uh, cycles that were four weeks. So week one, they had a certain amount of repetitions and rest period, week two, week three, week four, and then they repeated that two more times. So they actually had a set protocol that changed the number of repetitions in the rest periods in between. Um, So I'll post that on the site because we're not going to go through numbers again. So after the 12-week program, they measured, and actually what they measured before the program and after the program was the width or dimensions or measurements of the quads and the glutes, and also the strength relative to the back squat and the hip thrust. Basically looking at the difference in strength that may have been gained or not, and also the difference in the muscle size. So here's what they found after those 12 weeks, that both groups had growth in their quads and their glutes, okay? So I guess after 12 weeks, you can grow in both areas doing both exercises. But squats actually led to double the glute growth, and to six times more quad growth. Now, it shouldn't be surprising that the squats would actually lead to more quad growth because the hip thrusts don't even involve the quads at all. But the fact that the squats led to double the growth of the glutes compared to the hip thrust, which only worked the glutes is, is pretty resounding. Um, that's definitely a big plus for the squats. And the thing is that not only are they getting more glute growth, but you're boosting your entire metabolism, not just for that time, but also the afterburn. So also for hours to come. And you're also gaining more muscle, which is speeding up the metabolism. So if you're looking for, for weight loss and maybe trying to get body fat off of that, you're going to want to go with squats for a bunch of different reasons. But wait, there's more. Remember, they also compared strength of the two exercises. And doing the hip thrust only improved hip thrust strength. Doing the squats actually improved both the squats strength and the hip thrust strength. And this was done by retesting the one rep max in both of those exercises. And that's how they found out that the squats actually did more for both exercises, whereas the hip thrust just only focused on itself. So obviously things don't translate across the rest of the body when doing a single joint exercise like the hip thrust versus the squat. And to put it in other terms, the hip thrust strength did not carry over to squat strength, while improvements in your squat strength do carry over into the hip thrust strength. All right, so what does that mean for you? Well, that means basically you don't have to only do hip thrust to get a big booty. And as a matter of fact, if you're too worried about the the quad size, then alternate. Do the squats to boost your metabolism, do them to get your better booty growth, and then do the hip thrust for a little while and then go back to the squats because you're just going to get so much more from the squats than you will the hip thrust. But if you enjoy doing them and you feel like you're making progress with them, then go ahead and do some of the hip thrust. Um, I don't think it's really a good use of time unless you've got a lot of time. And I'm usually looking for the exercises that are going to get the most bang for the buck in the least amount of time. So, I mean, that's why I wouldn't even be doing these hip thrust things. And I think it's definitely too hard for a lot of people to get them done correctly with the right form And as far as the explosiveness and at what point it does. And it kind of goes back down to, saying doing a bicep curl and thinking that's going to change your whole body. Okay, a single joint exercise isn't going to do as much for your metabolism and for your body as a whole ever which is why sticking with the basics is always a good idea if you are short on time. If you've got plenty of time, then including some of the isolation exercises is certainly a good idea too. And just to be on the safe side, the squats were done below parallel because in the olden days they were always telling us you can't squat below parallel, it'll hurt your knees, and that's not true at all. It actually puts sheer force on the knee joints, so squatting below parallel is not only important for your knee strength and functionality, but that is the only way to get your glutes. And that's also what makes it such a better exercise because when you do go deep on the squats, then down there at that bottom part, the only thing you can push with is your glute. So you won't be able to use as much weight because mechanically you're a little bit compromised, but you're going to get much better growth in the glutes and obviously much more boost in your metabolism. And it's also another one of those things where I see a lot of women doing these isolation exercises, the butt blaster, the inner outer thigh, these hip thrusts, and they don't change. And that's why, because these are just small joint, small muscle exercises. If they just did some lunges and some squats and some back exercises, they'd be impacting their metabolism and they would actually start to see some changes in their body. And if you've made it this far, let me just throw out two other points. One of the reasons I started doing this podcast was because there were so many people that still had all the wrong information. And that was 10, 12 years ago. And I thought it was insane then that people still thought that they could spot reduce or that doing the inner outer thigh machine was going to make their legs thinner. And because that was, you know, in the 21st century, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, why are people still thinking these things from the 70s? And yet here we are in 2022, and people are still holding true to these myths and misinformation. And with so much information out there on the internet, I really don't understand how they're still trapped in these isolation type exercises that are not going to impact or change their body. And I guess maybe it's because the fitness industry is so big, people don't really want to give other people the truth. But I do. I don't want you spinning your wheels. And again, that's also another reason why I'm putting out the community. And I wanted to have that because it's one thing for me to say it, but when other people like my clients are doing it and they're seeing the changes and they understand, oh, hey, I, I didn't work out for a month, but you know what? I didn't change. I didn't I didn't get fat. I didn't lose muscle. I just, I stayed the same. This is fantastic. You know, because they're doing the harder exercises or the more full body type exercises and for other people to come on that community and say to people people around them. Yeah, this is true. It's not just this one girl saying it on this podcast. This is really true. This is what you need to do. And hopefully get as many people as possible away from these myths that really just put them up for frustration and and fall them into that whole cyclic pattern of I'll never lose weight. I can't get in shape. It's easier for other people and all that kind of stuff. And it's just because people are doing the wrong things. So maybe it is easier for other people to get in shape because they're doing the right exercises and the ones that are more effective rather than wasting time on some of those little exercises that clearly do nothing to change your whole body. So I'll stop there before I go on a rant about the inner outer thigh machine and what a waste of space it is. So I'm going to end by saying go do some squats. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.